Welcome, everyone. My guest this week is Mike Mashindaro, a veteran business intelligence practitioner who recently retired from an illustrious career at Dow Chemical, and before that, Roman Haas, which Dow acquired in 2009. Mike served as director of BI for both companies for nearly 20 years. During that time, Mike has seen and done just about everything there is to do in the world of BI, data, and analytics. He is now intent on sharing his hard-won knowledge with others. Welcome to the show, Mike. Thanks, Wayne, and um, hello, everybody. All right, well, let's start at the top. You've run BI programs for many years, uh, but how would you define what a BI program is? I think of a BI program very holistically, but it all boils down to ultimately, you know, driving business value, being a creator of business value, and having successful businesses. You have to do that from day one, you know, to be delivering value out of your BI program. Then the daunting task that really gets at, uh, you know, what in the world do I need to do to make that happen, right? I mean, if you think of a BI program, there's the technology behind it. You know, there's a lot of technologies and tech, you know, vendors who are trying to get you involved with their technologies. There's architecture. There's, you know, there's external in buzz that's going on all the time, you know. So are you just a buzz chaser out there, you know, uh, you know, big data and, um, you know, Hadoop, what are you guys doing in, in, in those terms? Are you going after those kinds of things? And I think you have to pay attention to some of that. Um, there's like, how do I build an organization around that? Um, but ultimately, you know, to me, as I said before, you know, if you're not creating business value, if you're not getting information in the hands of business people who are using that information to help the success of their business, then you really don't have a program or your program will not be sustained. So that's how I sort of define a BI program. It's holistic. It's a lot of components for it, but most of all, it's a, it's a program that helps to deliver value uh, for your customers. I know a lot of people distinguish between a program and a project. A program being something that is more than a project, really a compilation of multiple projects right. on an ongoing basis. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. You know, the program itself is something I always thought about, as I had mentioned um, there holistically, but it is a series of projects. And it's not just projects. It's more than that, right? So building your, your staff. Um, having people that are motivated, uh, figuring out what you want to work on, the governance piece of that, those things aren't really projects. But what you're delivering inside of that, the various products that you're making inside of that are delivered through projects. So a lot of BI programs I've seen, they, they kind of get peeled off at the edges and the people are not really full-time dedicated to BI. Would you say that having dedicated professionals who've been trained in this discipline are an absolute requirement for a program in BI? Well, I, I, think, it, I think that depends on, on the area of which they're focusing in on. Uh, let me give you an example. If you, if you want to have some technologists who are involved with the um, ETL side of it, you know, the back-end side of it, the uh, extract transform load side of it, I think those guys have to be dedicated. They have to understand how to do their, their craft, right? How to model data. Um, and that's, 
that's more than a full-time job. I mean, I had probably more of those guys in my organization than anything else. But then if you're out on the, um, the functional side, on the subject matter side, those people um, you're, are, I think, uh, more loosely connected to the program, right? They have to be more connected to their function, and maybe they have functional responsibilities, but they're a key extender of the program itself. Um, it's very interesting to talk about the mix of, of what a program should look like in terms of direct um, uh, employees in the program and indirect employees. So, um, you know, now, now having said that, uh, I'm not an advocate for somebody, you know, being a reporting person uh, and then being, you know, uh, something completely different, you know, for the rest of their time. I do, I do believe that people have to be uh, dedicated towards that. But I'm sort of biased here because my organization was so large and the company was so large that we, um, we had the ability to have dedication like that, right? If you're a small shop, I mean, a very small shop, um, still valid to have a BI program in place. You might have people wearing multiple hats. Why don't you give us a quick description of your team, the size, uh, the number of people, and the major roles, et cetera? Yeah, I, it's almost, you know, when I tell people the numbers of people that we had in the organization, it's almost embarrassing some, sometimes because the company is so large. Um, you know, Dow uh, is, is a, you know, like a $45 billion in a turnover business. Components are, are as follows, right? I, and I'll start there with the, the, the guys who are like the data model, which is what I had mentioned before. The people who are involved with the ETL side, uh, data modeling, get data in, model it, work with the technology to, be, to basically land the data the way you want and to begin the transformation process of data to uh, information that you can display. To me, that, that area is, is very ripe um, for probably the uh, lion's share of your people. We had um, dozens of these people over the course of time. Um, and uh, very, like I said, very, very difficult to get good people in this area. And when you do, you have to keep them. Then, um, so that's one role, right? I, I call them the back-end architects. Then you have front-end people, people who are involved with the user experience, the user interfaces, and there's a lot of tools that are out there to help people with this. But user interface, to me, I think is one of these areas that cannot be um, overstated how important it is to be able to have uh, a usable um, interface for your customers. That was a much smaller group. Uh, these people are not as much data modelers as they are understanding expertise around usability and then getting into the technologies that are involved with that and uh, for, uh, you know, very open kind of technologies, you know, uh, be, able, be able to get into that particular area. Then, then there's subject matter experts, as I mentioned before. Some of these were direct on my team and some of them were, are more either functionally uh, aligned or business aligned. And uh, they would get into the subject area um, uh, of their expertise, let's just say supply chain and customer service areas. They understand more in depth um, about the, the data and how it applies to the execution of that function. The business analysts understand all, you know, they're a little bit broader in terms of functional 
needs, but they understand their business needs specifically. Um, you've got to have all your functional areas covered pretty well, either with direct uh, resources or very strong relationships with the people in the organizations who end up being like your customers. Um, so it's those three main roles, but um, uh, there's a couple other roles here that, um, that are important as well. You need technology people that are involved with the hardware side of it, lands, WANs, the databases, you know, the tech management side of it, to, and to worry to be able to get at the right amount of capacity, monitoring, reliability that you need to be successful. And then finally, um, you know, you have to have a support organization that handles that. Many many people do support um, as a sidebar to the people who do the development and the functions. And and in small organizations, maybe that works. Um, I've I've made that work in the past. As we grew, we uh, we carved out that organization as a managed support, uh, so that we could free up our core staff to do more of uh, the new work, the innovation work, um, instead of just basic support. So that's, that's about how, you know, those five areas, I'd say, are, are, are the, uh, the, the roles that, that primarily make up the organization. So in total, how many people were on your team, full-time or part-time? Um, in total, um, I'd, I'd say a good 50 people. Worldwide, um, again, so it's, it's a global organization, and and I know when most most people are probably listening is gone fifty people. I don't even have fifty people in my entire IT organization. Um, you know the the sense of scale, and and back by the way, when I was in the Roman Hans days, the organization was more like fifteen, right? Um, not not fifty. So it's grown over time. But the, the way it grew, though, is because success breeds, um, you know, more demand, you know. So it doesn't start that way, right? I mean, if you want to start this thing, you don't start with 50. I mean, because you're, the cost of a program at that rate, at that size, is, is pretty high. Um, you'll, you never can sustain a program by, um, by starting big. It has to start small, and you have to deliver value, and then as demand grows, then you, then you keep building it from there. Well, delivering value, you've mentioned quite a few times already, uh, uh, and that's the reason why you grew from 15 to 50, to support the demand from the business. W what are the keys to, to delivering that value as a program? The key to delivering value to me is to, to make sure that you're chasing that all the time, that, that the program is not about the technology, that the program is, you know, the technology is part of it for sure. But I mean, what what is important to the your users, your customers, uh, in order for them to be successful? So it's easy to go go say, oh, that's easy, right? Just go there with a patent paper and just go ask for their requirements. And while that is necessary, that's not sufficient. You know, you have to have connectivity of the organization, top top and top down and bottom up. You have to not only understand from a detailed perspective of where your customers are doing things transactionally, how that chunks up into the requirements of a business at a high level. Um, we had connectivity uh, to our businesses at the business president level. I know those guys, you know, by name, and they know me 
by name, and 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 I visit them personally, right? And I'm not the only uh, one connecting to these guys, right? We have we have people in our organization, part of the functional people who are pressing flesh with these guys. We we treat them like we would if as as um, as customers of the products that the company makes. We understand who they are, where they are, what their hotspots are, what their current pain points are, and we we focus our efforts and govern our efforts towards delivering uh, products to them. When I say a product, I mean you know a report or a tool, an analytic that helps make them successful. And you know it's in very subtle ways that you can do that, and you can have you know, certain um, products be very, very successful and carry, carry your whole program. Even though, you know, we have over a thousand different reports, um, a handful of them can really carry the day for you. Like I said, it's a never-ending pursuit, Wayne. Um, you know, we just, you know, have it locked in our heads that value producing is, is the way to go here. And every day we're thinking about the value that, that we're helping businesses to uh, create and we want that to be tenfold what we're costing the company here all the time. And if you keep that ratio in mind and keep driving for that, that, that serves you well as, as a good guidepost. So it sounds like you press the flesh a lot. And then perhaps the subject matter experts that you mentioned, that was the third role you described. Right. Uh, they, are, they are on the front lines with the business aligned by domain, uh, understanding their needs, and then bringing them back to your organization. Is, is that a fair assessment? That's fair assessment. And, and those guys also help to translate, you know, the extreme complexity of transactions, the transaction side, and, and to help put that in context of how it makes sense to be able to manage the business. So let me give you an example. You know, when, when there was the Hurricane Harvey that hit Texas, um, you know, that was a, a, a bad situation down there, uh, all that flooding that was going on down there. Immediately, there was a couple questions that arose as a, as a result of that. First of all was, where are our, our people? Are they all safe? Where do they live, right? Are they in flood-prone areas? We were able to, um, to take detailed data and, and twist it around to be able to get hot spots of where to go after and make sure that people were okay and, and especially the ones that were at greatest risk. After that basic problem was solved, then the next question is, is how is this hurricane and this flooding affecting our business? Is it affecting our business? And if so, where? Um, what's going on with production? Is production down? Are orders down? Uh, are shipments curtailed? is the demand dropping and to try to get into that in detail. And the subject matter experts are able to get in there and understand what they're looking at at a very, very detailed level and then try to chunk it up into something that's meaningful to that very basic acute question that, that happened at that point in time. And, uh, you know, that's, you know, you have to do that thing that, that, and by the way, that has to be fast, right? I mean, you know, you, you don't want to go and say, okay, we'll give you an answer in three months about how the hurricane affected us. I mean, that had to be done in hours and days. Sounds like these SMEs are not just requirements gatherers, but they're actually domain experts who understand the data, the 
and the process and the people in that domain and can and can do some fast analysis on behalf of the business they're aligned with. Absolutely. And and you know they're they're doing this all the time. They're gathering data all the time. And they're going to do it with you or without you, right? I mean, you know, there there's plenty of um, tools that they can they can go after in a self-service environment um, to be able to uh, further their area. The the idea is is that they we are key partners with them to help them be successful so that they can translate it down. I mean, I, some of the best relationships we have are with with the functional partners that we have in the organization. Now, I think you said those folks are on your team or are some of them on and some of them not on your team, but you kind of treat and work with them the same way? Yeah, there's. I, I have uh, both direct, or I should say had because I am retired now, but I'm, I still, <laughs> I still yeah. think of these as my guys. I had some that were directly in the teams and also, and, and probably the majority of them were indirectly connected to the team. You know, one of the guys um, gave me a big compliment when I retired and said, "You know, Mike, you're the you're the you're the best leader that I ever had that I never reported to." You know, <laughs> and that was a that was a that was a great comp compliment that I got from him, and I I felt very humbled by that. But that's the kind of relationship that you have to have. To me, it doesn't really matter who's reporting to who, as long as everybody's lined up, you know, towards the mission of being able to make the business successful. And right. and that's what you know, and and I think that's I mean that's easy to say. It's not so easy to do sometimes because you know you have to be <laughs> make sure everything's heading in the same direction. People do have other priorities. But I, I've seen way right. too many programs that get too hung up in the technology side of it, or or even even in the data science area. You know, people who are involved with the math and the math modeling, where the math is what is of interest. And to me, the math is necessary, but it's not sufficient to be, you know, getting you to, to good business solutions. So it's not enough to go create a good model. It's, it's how does it get used? Is it effective? How do you tweak it? That's where agile methods sort of come in, into play, you know. Yeah, it's not like you could build these things at once and chuck them over the wall and then, you know, brush your hands off and say, I've done my job and now on to the next thing. It's not just about building new things. It's about building right. things that are effective. So a model, you mean a predictive model that, say, a data scientist might create. Correct. Uh, built on math, right. So it's not enough to come up with a good model. It has to be implemented and move the needle for the business. Yeah, a model may, may when, we say, when you say predictive, I mean, a lot of times people are, you know, think about that of just predicting the future. A model um, is not only, I think, about the future. A model tries to describe the phenomenon that you're you're managing, so that it so in any inputs can give you an output which uh, matches what the react what you know the 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 natural effect is you know so it's not just in a future prediction like a future prediction of sales so that that's one example of it. Okay, uh, I'd like to move on a, a little bit, but before we do, how many SME subject matter experts? Are there at Dow that you work with, either directly or indirectly? Yeah, I mean, each each organization is a little different. I'd say I'd say that we at least have fifteen or so in that area, and okay. in some areas it's uh, it's a little larger than others. Um, finance is a, a large area for us in and of themselves. There's a whole financial team 
that's involved with um, you know the finance processes. So um, while they're not all involved with reporting, right? They're involved with the finance processes or in and around the close close support, and we work very very closely with them as well. We close the books of the company on top of our BI system. So the 15 is for Dow in total or just for one specific area of Dow? Well, I would say that there might be 15 total of people that have a, a reporting tag on them. Uh, but in that finance organization I told you about, there's probably 10 people in that one finance organization involved with very fi various financial proce uh, processes, a couple of which that might have the tag of the reporting people in that group. If I wanted to have a broad-based meeting, right, about what we're doing, I would call in probably on the order of 15 people, right, connect to them. And then they would go out with the message to their organizations, and they, they may have something cascading out. So I think about this as a hierarchy, Wayne. Yeah. The total organization might be bigger that's engaged in the activity there. Um, but um, this one guy I was telling you about that gave me that nice compliment, and, and his supply chain customer service organization had about six fun, uh, analysts in his group by himself, you know, in various areas, in Latin America, in, in Asia, um, and, and they're part of other organizations as well, right? So it sort of cascades down in a, in a hierarchy. You know, if, if in, a, in an organization the size of Dell, you know, if you really take a look at how many people are involved with um, analysis, you know, these, we were calling them insight explorers, right? The, uh, you know, the analyst in the company. It, it, we think that that number is over a thousand, right? A thousand people involved with various areas, taking data and somehow trans, translating data into information for their niches. Data is everywhere in organizations these days. So, um, you know, so when, when you think about it, in a company the size of, of Dow, right, you have, you know, something on the order of 40,000 employees. There's probably about, you know, 20,000 that somehow need or consume or need to analyze data. That's why our user base is so large, right? And, and a lot of the people who are using this stuff directly are not just using it for their own consumption. They're taking the data that they're getting and they're putting a story together around that data and then helping others to understand what that story is to help to, so that decisions can be made for benefit. So, you know, this, this whole notion of how many people are in your organization and how many are direct and indirect, it's an imprecise science because ultimately right. the thing cascades out to thousands and thousands of people in an organization of, of the size that I'm talking about. Right, so fifteen really is the top of the pyramid, uh, kind of the, the, right. the head analyst for each of the major functional groups at Dow, and some report to you directly. But I would think that for the bigger domains like supply chain, as you mentioned, finance, that person doesn't report to you. That person runs a team of analysts in their group. Correct. Whereas you might the. The people reports you might be running in a smaller type of functional domain like uh, HR or legal or something like that. Right. A lot of people ask me about you know creating an organization. What do you need? And I don't I don't have a strong prescription for that. As a matter of fact, I've I've never started um, 
you know, creating the organization by putting together a structure on a piece of paper saying, I need four here and two here and seven here. We, we built it up slow over time and iterated on it. And most of it was about, you know, producing value and, and, and getting big wins because those things translated into, to, to, um, to an enhancement of the size of that organization as long as they were effective. Well, let me ask you a question that everyone asks me, or at least I get this question quite a bit. Um, maybe not as much lately, but uh, typically people want to know who should the BI team report to? Right. And basically, the question is, should it report to IT or live inside IT or live inside some business unit? Right. I mean, I've heard that question, too. I mean, all, almost my entire career, um, my organization lived inside of the IT organization. And, and I know as soon as I say that, uh, some people are gasping out there. <gasps> oh, my gosh. You know, the IT organization, how in the world, you know, those guys are, you know, connected with the technologies. To me, it, it, it didn't matter. And I've said this before. You've probably heard me say this before. It doesn't, it doesn't matter to me as long as your focus is, is the correct focus. You know, and I think IT organizations today are, are beyond just, um, you know, to, to be a successful IT organization, any, you know, chief information officer knows that, that they're not going to have uh, their, their position long if, if the IT organization is, is not perceived as a value driver for the business. IT is a big, big expenditure. It ends up being, you know, a, a very large expense on the uh, the P and L, and um, so to me, it it doesn't matter. Although I've always found it very effective to be part of the IT organization because we are able to generate those business connections and get good presence with the business and clout. People, you know, came to us and they they were happy, and at the same time. Uh, being in the IT organization, I'm, I'm able to extend our influence over the core enabling technologies that, that help you become successful. So we, we would dive into the lands and wan side when those areas were uh, underpowered for what we needed to do to be able to get the performance of our reporting up to snuff. You know, we do monitoring across, across our wide area network. We have all sorts of tentacles that get down in there and, and are tied into the pieces of the, the IT organization that, that really don't understand the value that we're driving for the business. We're able to influence that because of our connectivity of it and, and because we are, techno, you know, we are technology focused from that perspective. If I'm sitting in a business side of it, you might be closer to the business, but I would be more like than the business analyst that I'm working with right and in that regard those guys have a more difficult time influencing the technology side of it so to me you have to strike the right balance there so i, I don't you know my belief is that the core it pro uh, you know that the core it or, or business intelligence program being an it is an optimal place it's worked out for me that way let me ask you a related question which is should you as director of bi manage both the front end and the back end, uh, and have the people who build and maintain the data warehouse, uh, including DBAs, uh, report to you, or as in most companies, that's split into two groups. Yeah, I've I've always had that those two pieces report to me, and uh, so I'm probably biased that way. Um, 
I think that makes sense. Um, uh, the when I when we talk about the front end people, we do have a pretty open architecture, as I mentioned, including um, a broad support of self-service analytics. Um, so we're we're not trying to control everything on the front end. We're trying to give analysts the ability to create and to do ad hoc um, at the same time of the structured stuff that we're producing. Um, I, I think there needs to be connectivity. I've heard too many horror stories of, you know, the back end people working for IT and all the front end people working, you know, out in the businesses and then you know, uh, everybody's lining up to get done what they're, they want to get done, and, you know, those guys are slow and, you know, can't get what you want. And, and, you know, I don't know if that's just structurally because of the way it's organized or not, but that's something that I'm always cognizant of, of the speed that you need to be able to deliver uh, stuff to help, you know, help deliver the ultimate, pro, you know, the, the goal of, of the BI program, right, to deliver that value. Right. So, so we'll get into self-service and speed in a subsequent uh, episode here. But just to follow back on the notion of the program and the team, uh, what would you say are the biggest pitfalls in managing a BI program and team? Um, that, that, I mean, look, I mean, when I say a pitfall, uh, when you say pitfall, I think of, well, what's always the problems that you're dealing with? Okay, so... You know, you know, to sustain a program long time, there's always going to be, you know, things going on that you have to watch out for, right? So, you know, getting getting the right kind of resources, the right kind of people, talent uh, to work for you and your organization is a is a is a tough, ongoing, you know, never-ending job. You know, once you get those people, and and then you have to retain them. The the demand for top resources is huge out there. You know, a lot of people have their titles uh, out there, and they have great-looking resumes. But to get the, you know, very talented people who are, um, you know, can, can help you be really effective is difficult, right? So that's a struggle to, to build and sustain that. Then once you have them, how do you keep them, right? So you have to be a leader which, which your people feel like they want to work for, right? They want to be able to be engaged in activity that they feel is meaningful. Uh, they want to feel like they're being treated fairly from a comp perspective. Um, you know, the you know having uh, this team in place and sustaining it, I think, is one of the keys to success. And it could be a pitfall because you know there's such a demand for these people. Every one of them have a have a LinkedIn profile, and I'm sure. Just like I always was, I was always getting, you know, uh, picked from, you know, various recruiters to come take a look at another BI programs, right? So you're under a lot of competition, right? So, you know, if, and, you know, maybe I shouldn't, you know, give too much um, advice here because that would, that would help people poach my organization more. <laughs> but, well, we're going to force you to give a little bit of advice. What would you recommend? to others who are looking to hire the best people and retain them? What are, what are the keys that you've found to do that? Well, you know, keep, keep looking, keep, um, keep upgrading, right? Um, get, get a, um, you know, if, if you're, you know, I, I've, I have always found success at, at hiring people who were smaller from a smaller um, 
practice than very large practices um, because I think the very large practices out there tend to um, pull people off of the Internet anyway, right? So, so they're trying to do the same thing. They're trying to keep their talent level out, and they're reselling it to you. So I, I always felt a little bit more comfortable um, trying to get more independence or very small shops that I can get in and build a deep relationship with. Um, but also, you know, like I said, once you get these people, make sure that you that you have a program that, that keeps them attracted. And by the way, I don't have a problem with them being involved with industry uh, discussions. You know, get, let them let them go out there and get let them go to SAP Tech Ed and learn this kind. You know, learn the latest technologies. Um, you know, upgrading our systems from traditional um, the database technologies that we had on Ahana. SAP HANA in memory was a great thing, not only from a, what we're able to deliver, but your organization feels, your people feel a lot better because they're working with the latest technologies, right? They're keeping their skills fresh. And I think that, that people want to feel like they're learning and growing, that what they do is valued, um, and, and that, that they're, you know, that they personally are being paid attention to. I walked around a lot in the organization. I was pretty visible with the organization. You know, get out there, and and not only did I understand the functional side of it, I understand the technical side of it as well, right? So, so if if you you know, when I started this discussion about it being a holistic program, I I meant that, right? It has a lot of aspects to it. Mike, well, that's probably a great place to stop. As I mentioned, we'll continue this series of interviews to uh, tap into the full range of knowledge that you've accumulated over the years. So. Thank you very much for uh, participating in today's episode. Thanks. It's my pleasure, Wayne.